I get so much out of my AMA membership. My favorite part is the networking and connections I have made within the marketing community. I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to build relationships with like-minded professionals in the capital region. Welcome to episode 13 of the Capital Marketer Podcast presented by the American Marketing Association, AMA, New York Capital Region Chapter, here in Albany, New York. I'm Blaze Bryant. We hope all is well with you and your family and that you've been able to enjoy what you can of summer as that calendar of ours is in the last third of the year. September begins today. And we have a great show. We're going to be talking a lot about young professionals. But first, before we do that, we're going to talk about marketing to Gen Z with Mark Beal, who was kind enough to do a webinar with us here in the mid part of August. And I have a clip from the webinar as Mark discusses how we market to the future Gen Z. We are all marketers, right? No matter what channel we're in, and we're always trying to learn and evolve our approach, especially during this time of things like COVID-19. So this is going to be a timely presentation about what's happening today and tomorrow as it relates to a really important consumer segment in Generation Z. So a couple of things today. Again, we're going to focus on making this very real world, real time. COVID-19 specifically, and, and again, uh, what that means to this, this demographic. Uh, the concept evolving from marketing to truly engaging this consumer, and really all consumers. Um, then we'll dive a little bit into uh, Gen Z's preferred media platforms and engagement platforms. We'll touch a little bit on brands they love and why. And at the very end, I'll kind of give you the playbook on how to effectively engage Gen Z right now and even in the future. And I'll sum this entire presentation up with one slide that captures everything we talked about. So it's kind of my, my presentation on a page. So as Elise said, a little bit of background, because I'm sure some are wondering, uh, how is this gen, old Gen Xer able to talk about Gen Z, right? So uh, a little bit of background. I spent the past 30 years in marketing and public relations with a leading public relations agency in New York, where I was creating and executing campaigns, integrated marketing campaigns for the likes of Nike, Taco Bell, Procter & Gamble, Nestle, Capital One, and others. So that's my background. And then in 2013, Rutgers University, which is where I graduated from, asked if I would teach one course in public relations. Well, that one course turned into two, turned into three, turned into four across PR and marketing. And in 2019, it asked if I'd become a full-time professor of practice, which I was excited to do. So my background, again, is 30 years of marketing and public relations starting to teach at the university level in 2013. And it was when I was starting to teach there in 13, 14, 15, 16, that I was really inspired by my students. And as I got into about 2017, I said, you know, millennials have been a major focus for many brands and organizations for the past 10 or 15 years, but Generation Z come 2020, 21 and beyond should be a primary focus. Maybe not the only focus, of course, or maybe not even the first focus, but they should become a primary focus of most corporations, brands, organizations, nonprofits, universities, and others. 
And so in 2018, I scoured America. I interviewed Gen Zers from age 13 to 23, from high school freshmen to those just graduating college and entering the workforce, and really just tried to understand in 2018 more about what were they doing on their phones, what channels were important to them, how how were they responding to marketing and advertising. So I called that decoding Gen Z. Fast forward to 2020, and I just released Engaging Gen Z within the past month or two. It's still a little bit of that, but it's really about how do we truly engage this consumer? How do we truly create relationships with this consumer? Um, And so that's what I'm going to take you through today, including um, some recent research I do. I try to do quarterly surveys of Gen Zers across America. So you'll see some data points in here as well. So I guess within the past two weeks, I wrote a column for, um, I wrote a column for, I think, is that, do I have to, okay. I wrote a column for the Sunday New York Star-Ledger, which is the largest newspaper in New Jersey. And uh, the whole column was what I call the next greatest generation, Generation Z. And I based the whole column, not just on my data points and things like that, but I also, um, I also based it on the idea of, let's see if I can get rid of that. Uh, I also based it on the idea that um, during this pandemic, during this critical time in the lives of Gen Z, which are the most formative years, they are still resilient. They are still being innovative. They are still using that entrepreneurial spirit and mindset. And I'll give you a couple of examples as we go through. So this was just a a column I wrote, like I said, two or three weeks ago. You can find it on nj.com. And again, it really goes into, again, a generation that I do believe is the next greatest generation. And this presentation will kind of explain why I believe that. So some of you may have seen this, but in May, Tom Hanks delivered a commencement speech and um, it caught my attention because of what he said. And he was talking to this Gen Z consumer, Gen Z audience. And he said, you will have made it through this time of great sacrifice and great need, meaning COVID. And no one will be more fresh to the task of restarting our measure of normalcy than you, you, the chosen ones. He kept calling Gen Z the chosen ones. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive from a guy like Tom Hanks to be calling 20, 21, 22 year olds who are graduating the chosen ones. But I'll explain to you why I believe, uh, why I agree with him and why I kind of support that, that position. So as I, I teased a little bit earlier, the pandemic and everything else that's happening in the world in 2020 is during the most formative years for Gen Z. Now, of course, all of us, no matter whether we're Gen Xers like me or millennials or Gen Z or boomers, we're all being impacted, of course. But if you think about Generation Z and you think about middle school, high school, college, first job, you know, internships for the most part have, have been pretty much, you know, canceled for the summer although some still are able to use their their ingenuity and secure some experience. Those who've graduated in 2020 are having a big, a major challenge in securing that first job, right? Um, And then you've got all the just other experiences that take place in your teens and early 20s, you know, again, from social to sports to everything else that they're missing out of. So this pandemic is having a major, major influence on Gen Z's, not just now, but I really believe in the future, and I'll bring that to life in a, in a few slides. So today we're going to talk about two main topics. One is this idea of prioritizing purpose over promotion. So as a marketer, the idea of purpose over promotion and profits. And the second is to evolve, as I talked earlier, about going from marketing, traditionally marketing, traditionally advertising, to truly engaging 
a consumer segment, in this case, Generation Z. And I do want to caveat, I know that everybody on this call is in some sort of marketing position where you're marketing to various consumer segments. But today, we're, we're just going to focus on Gen Z. But I, I, I fully understand that we're all you know, marketing to a wide range of consumers, not just Gen Z. So in my uh, Engaging Gen Z book, which I mentioned just came out uh, in May, I co-wrote this with a Harvard sophomore by the name of Michael Pankowski. I read about a, a column that he penned in Ad Age last year. And every morning when I wake up, first thing I do is I search on the internet for just Gen Z topics, stories, articles, studies, and surveys. And I see this article in Ad Age penned by Michael Pankowski. And I said, wow, that's a name I've never seen. I read the article. And at the end, I read, Michael Pankowski is a sophomore at Harvard University. I said, that's impressive. Shot him an email. Within 24 hours, he emailed me back. And we started collaborating on this book called Engaging Gen Z. But what I wanted to call out was he wrote this lesson five. So this is his words. And in his words, he writes, Gen Z is the purpose generation. Gen Zers expect corporations and brands to care just as much about doing good for the world as they do. So again, kind of the first light bulb of this presentation, think about again, Gen Z, the purpose generation, they're looking to um, advocate for and purchase from brands and organizations that have a higher purpose than just transactional. Uh, and in today's world, again, in 2020, you know, between the pandemic, between critical issues of diversity, inclusion, and social justice, there couldn't be more of a time when purpose is more important than ever for, again, brands, corporations, organizations, employers, and many others. And so that's something Gen Z is really looking for in the brands they support, the brands they advocate for. I just want to bring an example of, again, Gen Z being resilient, Gen Z being, uh, uh, persevering, and Gen Z flexing that entrepreneurial mindset and spirit in a purposeful way using uh, with purposeful action. So this is an article that I won't get into fully, but I was very impressed when in early to mid-April, I started hearing about these two Gen Zers from New Jersey, um, one by the name of Jesse Kay, who's a sophomore at Stevens, and Alex Scheinman, who just graduated from Penn State. And they were sitting around, and they could have been moping, and they could have been complaining that you know school was now remote, and you know there was no social activities, and all those other things. But instead... They sat around for 24 hours and they said, what can we do to help others? What can we do that's purposeful? What's a mission we can take on that's purposeful in its message and purposeful in its action? Within 24 hours, these two Gen Zers had created a concept, which was a virtual lemonade stand, and they branded it Making Lemonade. So, not only, so, so they had a thought, they had an idea. They turned that into, again, a brand, a concept, a platform. Within 72 hours, they had designed, created, and launched a website for this purpose-driven initiative. Within a week, they had mobilized more than 100 Gen Zers at more than 30 universities across America to rally around this idea of a virtual lemonade stand. And within 30 or so days, they raised $110,000 approximately which went to Feeding America and other hunger relief organizations. So just if you think about it in a nutshell, right, we all work for organizations. To go from ideation and concept to execution 
for some of us, depending on the size of our organization, could take months and months and months and months. These Gen Zers who wanted to do something purposefully within basically 24, 48, 72, 96 hours, concepted an idea, created it, gave it a public face with the website, mobilized Gen Zers, and went out there. And what I think pretty impressively in 30 plus days, raised a hundred plus thousand dollars that went directly to hunger relief organizations in this country. That to me epitomizes Gen Z's purpose, Gen Z's entrepreneurial mindset, um, Gen Z's um, uh, use uh, of technology, both digital and social. So I think it's just a great example to give you a sense of how, how they operate, how efficiently they operate and the, and the purpose in which they operate. Uh, just a couple of quick examples. Um, you know, I talk about the idea of being purposeful, not just in communications and messaging, but action. So very quick examples. As, as the pandemic hit, U-Haul right away offering 30 days of free storage to college students who basically were kicked out of the college campuses. You may say, oh, you know, not a big deal. But again, it's purposeful in the way it was, it was uh, brought to market, purposeful in the action. Um, so again, just a, just a small example, but it showcases, again, a brand who is thinking and acting in a purposeful manner. Um, AT&T, knowing that, again, a lot of students were now coming home to, to, to uh, study and to participate in school, knew that all of a sudden broadband was going to go, use of, you know, uh, was going to go significantly up. Again, the first to, to lift caps for going over data caps or lift fees for going over data caps. Again, maybe small, but again, it shows purposeful action during this time. The one that I really love, and I'm, I'm very good friends with the uh, global communications director for Fanatics, is uh, Fanatics. Some of you may know them. They're, they're known as kind of the, uh, the sports apparel company um, that creates um, you know, apparel across all, just about every professional sports team and league. Two things here. One, the image on the left is their um, factory, their manufacturing facility out in Easton, Pennsylvania. And the moment the pandemic hit, they were actually creating, if anyone's been watching any Major League Baseball, you know, Fanatics actually, even though they have a Nike swoosh on them, they actually manufacture every single uniform that every MLB player is using right now on the field. Well, they stopped that immediately. And instead, they took all the materials in partnership with Major League Baseball and started making gowns and masks for first responders. So they pivoted immediately. Secondly, and I'm sure a lot of have seen this, they then went a step further and they created the all-in challenge. And they mobilized all the relationships they have with celebrities and actors and athletes and others. And they created this, this incredible challenge, again, for hunger relief. But they did it quickly. They did it with purpose. And it was, you know, they, they got everybody, the biggest names involved from Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and others, uh, and raised, again, hundreds of thousands of dollars that went directly to Feeding America and No Kids Hungry and other organizations. So they could have on the opposite side, sat down and moaned that, wow, well, we're not going to be making MLB uniforms and you know what? No one's going to be buying our products because there's no sports. Instead, they, they proceeded in a purposeful manner. So I talk about the concept going from marketing to engaging. And again, I'm sure a lot of us have thought about this. A lot of us have talked about this. So this, is, this may not be new and revolutionary, but this consumer Gen Z does not respond to traditional advertising and marketing. And so I just kind of use the example there, you know, up top, you know, Taco Bell has been a sponsor of the NBA for years. And, and I would consider that kind of traditional marketing, you know, slapping your logo on the skills channel, having TV content on uh, NBA All-Star Weekend and, and kind of doing things traditionally. Right. So 
again, marketing, the, 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 you know, the action of promoting and selling a product or service, in this case, Taco Bell and tacos. But engaging is, again, it's, it's more of trying to engage the interest, the attention of this consumer in a way that they become advocates for your brand. So the bottom image is, uh, and for those who heard about it last year, I used it as a great example, the Taco Bell Hotel. So they created this experiential um, platform with the Taco Bell Hotel, where they took the brand, the products, and created a actual hotel where Gen Zers and Influence and others could experience the brand in a completely different way. So now all of a sudden, they're engaging with the brand in a much different way. They're sharing the brand on social media platforms through images and video. And again, Taco Bell's creating engagement as opposed to just promotion and marketing. So as we go through the presentation, I'll kind of bring that to life a little bit more, but that's just the nuance I talk about, especially with Gen Z, the transition or the shift from kind of traditional marketing, traditional promotion, traditional advertising to trying to see how do we actually engage this consumer audience in a way that they become uh, collaborators with us in a way that they become loyal to us in a way that they become advocates to us uh, even on social media and with content. It's Mark Beal talking to us about how we need to be marketing to Gen Z. I will have the full recording as bonus content, which you can check out on our brand new website, amanycapital.org. Be right back. A quick brand new AMA member testimonial. We'll be talking about how to recruit young professionals in the marketing field here on the Capital Marketer Podcast. My membership in the Capital Region American Marketing Association has been an invaluable asset to my career as a marketer. The programming provided by the chapter is informative, engaging, and showcases the marketing expertise contained within the Capital Region. From getting advice from the area's top brands, like Deathwish Coffee and Beekman 1802, to learning how to communicate your message to the newest consumer segment, Generation Z. I have had the opportunity to learn from some of the area's leading marketing professionals that I otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to. It also helps, as a young professional, that the cost of membership has gone down, making it more affordable to continue to be an AMA member. Welcome back to the Capital Marketer Podcast, presented by the AMA New York Capital Region Chapter. I'm Blaze Bryant. We're going to talk about young professionals here in the second half of the show. I'm joined by Andy Murphy, who is with Siena College, also with the Young Professionals Network through the Capital Region Chamber of Commerce, also joined by Kellyanne Cornell with Standard Commercial Interiors, and she is a member of the Capital Region Alliance for Young Professionals. And it is great to have you both on the show the first time, and welcome aboard. Thanks so much. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Andy, I'll start with you. Uh, working at Sienna and being a member of, and I know you joined the Young Professionals Network pretty recently here, what gives you the, the passion that you have for helping out young professionals? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me was when I was coming right out of college and really coming into that young professionals category was the passion and the drive to network as much as possible um, with, with, a, with the marketing background that I have and the business background that I had, I have, I knew the importance of making connections early on. And so when I first heard about the YPN and, you know, the cap region in general, 
I thought it was most important for me and most important for all those young professionals out there listening is to really make sure your LinkedIn is, uh, you know, set up for success. And I think that was a big key in getting me involved uh, early on right out of college. And Kellyanne, I might as well just direct the same question to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree with Andy about having a LinkedIn um, definitely up to date and um, using that as best as you can to make connections. Um, networking is also huge. Um, out, out of college, well, in college, I was involved in a lot of clubs. So I kind of kept that rolling when I graduated. I tried to go to as many networking events as possible, even if it wasn't in the marketing industry, just trying to gain connections everywhere. And um, even now, you know, being a few years as a young professional, just really looking for any opportunities, um, any clubs, associations, just branching out. For sure. I mean, I went to St. Rose. Andy, you went to Siena. Now you're working for them. So that's really cool. Uh, what about you, Kellyanne? Did you go to college around here? I did. I went to SUNY Oneonta. Okay. Uh, we are very expansive at our capital connections here, uh, (laughs) capital collegiate connections here, which is uh, really cool. Now you talk a lot about LinkedIn, which, you know, we don't, I think hear all too much about in the sphere of uh, young professionals and the growth and whatnot. I mean, what do you both see as the value of LinkedIn? Well, I think that LinkedIn shows a different um, level of professionalism. I mean, with our generation, definitely people are on Facebook, Instagram. um, But with LinkedIn, I mean, you're getting people who are in your generation, but you're also getting people who have been a professional for a long time and established a career. Um, So I think just on LinkedIn, your connections are much more vast and much more, you know, eclectic as far as ages. levels of experience and different industries as well. I mean, you're not just looking to join someone um, on Facebook who is your age and in your level of career. Um, So I I just think LinkedIn gives you more options. And I think that you're looked at as more of a professional as well. Yes, I would agree with that as well. And coming right out of college in 2017 as a graduate, I was a little afraid of LinkedIn. I was more geared towards um, connecting on Twitter and learning through the business professions on Twitter because my resume wasn't, you know, super extensive because I had just come out of college. But even just posting one or two things about your professional background on LinkedIn really allows you to make that growth and those, those connections rapidly. And my philosophy on LinkedIn is I really accept everyone because um, you never know how you can be a benefit to them or they can be a benefit to you or where your paths might cross. And so I always connect with people. I do a little short message about, you know, the reason why I'm connecting with you. And I think that seems to work well for me. You both are telling me stuff that I need to be better at. So thank you for holding me accountable. I greatly appreciate that. (laughs) You know, and the other thing that I want to say too, is that all three of us here, Andy Murphy, Kellyanne Cornell and myself are young professionals and I think both of you really hit the point home in terms of LinkedIn you Andy have uh, a bit of a business background uh, tell us a little bit about that and how things are going on that front sure so I do run my own um, photography uh, business um, outside of my day job at Siena College 
And I use that for a little bit of uh, on LinkedIn for some business inquiries. But what I what I mostly use LinkedIn for um, is doing social media consulting with, with people. I really have that passion to help those small businesses focus on the importance of digital strategy and digital marketing. So I'll connect with a lot of um, young professionals in the area and talk to them about best practices. And I really will try to post it, you know, at least a couple of times a month on the importance of, of data and doing your, your social media and doing your marketing and doing your business plans. And that seems to draw a lot of connections. So when I'm posting, that's when I see a more of an influx and making those network connections. And, uh, you know, Kellyanne, what about you? Uh, you know, do you, do you have a, a side gig that you do or, you know, some sort of additional marketing stuff that you do? Um, yeah, I mean, I freelance from time to time. I've been on Upwork uh, quite a bit doing like little projects here and there for people. I do everything from social media to little graphic design projects. Um, and doing social media templates, calendar planning, um, all things like that. Um, but as far as LinkedIn, I've been using that not so much for freelance and Upwork jobs. It's been more for my current position. Um, I'm the commercial marketing specialist for Standard Commercial Interiors, and we're an office furniture dealership in Albany, New York. So we're um, selling office furniture to businesses of all kinds, basically. So I've used LinkedIn to kind of navigate through the marketing world, which I'm a big part of, but also navigate through the furniture world, which, you know, before this position, I had known nothing about. So it was kind of a way to jump in and um, architects, designers, like we work with all different kinds of industries. So it's really just a way to kind of meet everyone virtually and uh, expand my network. Yeah. And to Killian's point on the topic of, you know, freelancing and, and building out maybe some side jobs based on some of your talents outside of what you do, for a living, I think that's really why the Cap Region is so successful in helping those young professionals network. Um, whether it's Detroit Innovation Garage um, or any one of those other smaller co-work opportunities, um, get out there and get involved and make those connections. And and don't be afraid to put your work on display for others to see because you never know where you might pick up a client here or there for a little extra um, work uh, outside of your nine to five. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, you, you both are absolutely right. I mean, last month I put together a best of podcast and uh, Michael Roach, who is uh, the, he was the past president before uh, Will Trevor, who just wrapped up his presidential year in July, well, June 30th to be more accurate. And one of the things that he said, uh, when because he got accepted for a Marcom Award as the uh, communications practitioner is you never know who's watching. And you, both of you are underscoring that too. Right. You never do know who's watching. And I think some of the events that I go to um, just through different, you know, chambers or organizations that I'm a part of, I'll always carry my business cards on me and I'll make a point to at least introduce myself to one or two people at those events because, you know, you're putting time out of your day to go to those to those gatherings, you might as well at least make one or two connections out of it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, are you still going to, I mean, obviously we're still living in a largely virtual pandemic oriented world. I mean, are you still going to events or, or, you know, how do you handle that? 
you know, we do have those, you know, those virtual events th through through different media platforms, and I'll try my best to chat one on one with people through Zoom or Microsoft Teams or one of those, and just connect from there. Yeah, I've been. Um you know, a part of some webinars and some virtual networking events. We're actually having one for um, the Capital Alliance Young Professionals on Thursday. We're doing a happy hour networking event where um, we're actually supposed to bring a deck of cards and play some sort of networking card game. So, I mean, there's definitely been a few that are kind of fun and, um, you know, it's a little bit different adjusting to the virtual ones rather than the in-person, but I think that's still attending them and still you know, reaching out to new people. And even if you don't maybe talk to everyone on the virtual one, but seeing the attendee list after and reaching out to them that way, it's definitely, you know, worthwhile to attend still. So I have to tell you, I saw the event uh, a couple of weeks ago. It appeared in my email or somewhere or other. I mean, <laughs> and you inspired me the event inspired me to find a deck of Braille cards that I hadn't touched in at least two years. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, being a part of the event as well. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So thanks to Cape for inspiring me to find my Braille cards, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so really quickly here in the couple of minutes that we have left, what do you think we need to do in the marketing world to both proactively recruit young professionals and also increase the awareness of opportunities for young professionals? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things is uh, don't be afraid to make, make phone calls. One of the first things that my, my boss had told me right out of college was, you need to be you need to be better at picking up the phone and making those connections. And yes, we all you know, are doing emails and we're doing texts, but the power of a phone call and getting that initial individual engaged with you and engaged with your committee or organization is quite powerful. So I think throughout the Capital Region, no matter you know what your background is or what your business is, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and make connections to someone um, that you may not know prior. Kelly. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Andy. Um, picking up the phone is definitely, you know, a different way that you can get in front of people because a lot of people are just using email, text, like he said. Um, I also think just, you know, really like reaching out to people in general, um, because right now, I mean, with everything going on, people might have more time than they usually would. So they might have be more willing to sit down with you, um, you know, over a Zoom or uh, socially distanced event and, yes. um, you know, really brainstorm. And if it's a mentor giving you advice on how to be a young professional, how to move your way up through the marketing industry, or really just, you know, someone to exchange and bounce ideas off of. It's really, I feel like right now people are more willing than ever to help and more willing than ever to network and make connections. So now is like the time to, you know, hop on it and really just broaden your knowledge and broaden your network. Right. I for also forgot to mention in the uh, intro that both of you are on the uh, board of the AMA New York uh, Capital Region chapter. Andy, you're what? Uh, strategy and operations and... Uh, yeah. Kellyanne, you just joined us. Yes, I'm on the programming committee. Fantastic. Well, 
It is because, in part, of Kellyanne Cornell and Andy Murphy that we are a successful chapter as we aim to diversify and recruit more young professionals. I can't thank both of you enough for being so generous with your time and putting up with me (laughs) here on the Capital Marketer Podcast. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We have a lot of great events coming up. And rather than me telling you all about them, go to our brand new website. Check it out. AMANYCapital.org has all the exciting events. You can also sign up to become a member. $149 everyday price. Can't beat it. I am Blaze Bryant. You can check out past shows going to the website as well as our social media, facebook.com slash Nykrama. That's N-Y-C-R-A-M-A. Same with Twitter and Instagram. Be well, stay safe and sanitized, and talk to you in October here on the Capital Marketer Podcast.